So yesterday, of course, was budget day in the province of Alberta. And um, when it comes to budgets, I know they're a big deal for media. Media gets all charged up about budgets. It's a big day for media. Uh, I often wonder how closely it's watched by regular run-of-the-mill Albertans. I think all at the end of the day, what they look at is, how does this affect me? What's it going to do for me at the end of the day? Or what is it going to do to me at the end of the day? And, and that's sort of where they keep an eye on how the budget... Uh, you know, is going to play out and where it's going to go. And of course, you're going to have, you're going to have a lot of reaction. There's so many different groups that pay attention and because it affects them. You know, you can talk about healthcare. You can talk about education. You can talk about all sorts of things. The opposition is going to try and poke holes in it. That's the job. But to me, the reaction yesterday, uh, and maybe it was because the Maroney story broke and it sort of took a lot of the wind out of the sails. But to me, it seems like the reaction was relatively muted for a provincial budget. There was some criticism, fair enough. There's definitely room for criticism, um, but it wasn't over the top. So um, maybe, maybe the government found the balance, hit the sweet spot. Let's find out. We're going to speak with the Honorable Nate Horner, who is Finance Minister and MLA for Drumheller Stetler. Um, Minister, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being here today. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it, Shay. Thanks. How are you feeling about the budget the day after? Like I say, the reaction certainly not as nuclear as it has been with other budgets. What's your take on how it's landing? Well, I, I think, like you said, you're you're always going to hear hear criticisms, and and we we have somewhat from from both sides. You know, you're not spending enough. You're spending too much. So I I do believe that we're we're probably probably in a, a bit of a sweet spot if, if you want to call it that. Uh, but I think it's it's a pretty reasonable budget. We called it a responsible plan for a growing province. Uh, we're doing multiple things. We're you know, investing in, in infrastructure while uh, focusing on savings, um, prioritizing health care and education. Uh, so we're yeah, we're trying to look at it like a household a household would manage their their finances and and do do some good make some good decisions today that'll help tomorrow. Some of the criticism that I had heard, and uh, I'd like your response to, when I talk to Albertans here on the air, the number one issue that we hear, we talk about in so many different ways is affordability, cost of living. And we know cost of living in Alberta has ramped up quite dramatically in a number of areas. Your government promised campaign on a tax bake of about 1500 bucks a year per family. And then last week we were told by the Premier, ah, you're going to have to wait a year. Yesterday we were told, no, you're going to have to wait more than a year. We're not going to see it till 2027. And even then... It's dependent on a bunch of things happening. Should Albertans feel like they were duped? Were they misled when it comes to this tax break you campaigned on? No, not in any way. And I hope I hope Albertans understand that we're still very committed to implementing this tax cut. We laid it out in the budget that we'll legislate in 25, uh, move to 9% at 60,000 in 26, and the full 8% in 27. Uh, I hope Albertans understand that we're, we're trying to do a couple things at once, and, and the other is, is uh, balance the budget every year. Um, everyone saw how how small the surplus was in Budget 2024, and we have some sincere sincere pressures in the future too, from debt servicing to uh, public sector compensation uh, negotiations. So we're we're just trying to be mindful and and do the right thing. Uh, but I'm I'm very committed to implementing the tax cut. And I do remind folks too, Shay, the one thing that continues to provide affordability for Albertans is that we re-index the basic personal exemption, and that that is an impact of almost a billion dollars, nine hundred eighty million dollars. Uh, coming off the revenue line of the government, providing affordability to everyone. Um, 
In the address to Albertans last week, this budget was billed as one of restraint. And I think that's definitely what it was when you talk about spending. But there is an increase in spending. There's an increase in borrowing. I mean, you talk about a surplus, but you borrowed. Help me make sense of those numbers. I'm no mathematician. I'm really bad at this stuff. But can we really call it a I guess on paper it's a surplus, but at the same time you borrowed a few billion. How does that all make sense? Well, it's it's challenging the way it's presented, and it's it's a challenge for Alberta in in a more dramatic way than probably for any other province, because very few provinces have, uh, you know, retained earnings at of this level in multiple entities. But we we've, we've left the retained earnings in the heritage fund, so that's that's a big part of it. That continues to grow and, and shows positively on the balance sheet, but it isn't it isn't cash that we can deploy for operations. So it does require us to do a little borrowing while we're saving. Uh, but I, I remind folks, if you look at, at Budget 24 for this year, uh, we may borrow $2 billion. We've paid down almost $17 billion in the last two years uh, while leaving the upside for the province uh, within this year. If, if something were to happen with the price of oil, I, I see it went over $80 today. We have it in the budget at 74 you know, that, that upside is there that would prevent borrowing and probably allow us to have money in the Alberta fund. So just, uh, yeah, trying to approach it, approach it prudently. Um, it is, it is confusing. I, I'm not an accountant either, but I know Alberta has the, uh, uh, highest fiscal transparency rating of any province in the country. We got an A plus from CD Howe and, um, it's very much a surplus. It just requires, requires more cash. It's a surplus, but it requires more cash in terms of... Th- well, there's a difference between a, a surplus and a cash. A right. Cash. It's on paper or what's actually there. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you about the Heritage Trust Fund, because that was the other thing that was mentioned prominently uh, in the Premier's address to Albertans last week, talking about getting it up to a 250 to $400 million by 2050, which is 26 years away. A um, couple of billion going into it now takes it to $25 billion. Um, at, at that rate, you're not even going to get remotely close to that. I mean, you're going to have to ramp it up by an order of about 10 times in order to accomplish the goal. H- how does that happen if you're, if you're being careful with spending? And uh, I mean, you're, you're so far away. How do, how do you make those two work? Well, we've been doing a lot of work with, um, uh, some firms that work nationally with a lot of sovereign wealth funds. Uh, it will probably require, you know, a change in the asset composition and, and vision for the fund, a real commitment to knowing that the the retained earnings will stay in there that, and that you don't have a, a plan to pull from the fund for multiple decades like the Premier laid out. Uh, but even with just the retained earnings, uh, comparing to a lot of other uh, sovereign wealth funds, it's entirely reasonable and realistic to assume uh, the $250 billion uh, number without additional deposits. Um, we're definitely going to have more to communicate on this plan, uh, hopefully by the fall. It's, it's still somewhat early days. Um, we're obviously very excited. Um, but the, the big piece is the retained earnings. And I would remind people, too, you know, this, this thing started in 1976. Uh, governments have pulled out $48 billion, uh, over the life of the Heritage Fund that they've spent in general revenue on operations. So you can see the the compounding value of money over time, and and the fund was only at 16 billion and change when we were elected in 2019, and now it's at 25. 
So we've we've already shown the most dramatic commitment to this fund already, and and by leaving the retained earnings in there, we think it can really uh, do some amazing things. What kind of interest are you hoping to get to make up to you know three hundred and seventy five million dollars in the course of the next twenty years? I want into that fund. Well, you will see a change in the asset mix. Uh, a lot of funds, like the Norwegian fund, uh, rely more on on private equity for sure. Uh, the Heritage Fund hasn't hasn't done bad by any means. Um, they've had challenges the last uh, couple of years. Um, a, a lot does follow the markets, uh, but I think 8.4 percent over the last 10 years is where we've been at. And uh, a lot of the sovereign wealth funds um, are able to do uh, well north of 10, uh, maybe closer to 20, even some. Um, but we'll we'll definitely depend on that change in the asset composition. I, I want to ask you quickly before I let you go about a couple of the taxes. The EV tax, $200 uh, per year for electric vehicles. There's a lot of thinking out there. This is just vindictive. This is, once again, the government sticking the thumb in the eye of electric vehicles and Stephen Gibo. Is it that simple? Is that what this is about, Minister? No, not at all, Shay. I know I... When when we provided the affordability with the fuel tax relief, I know my office, you know, took many calls and emails about uh, this being a, a fairness issue. Um, you know, when we when we dug into it, realized that 44 U.S. jurisdictions have already done this or are doing it, including California. Um, you've seen the adoption rate of EVs. You know, they've they've gone up by. Uh, I think it's 230% or something over the last two years in Alberta alone. Um, so we we take in about a billion four with the fuel tax over the course of a year. Uh, we, we put way more into uh, transportation maintenance than that. But I think Albertans believe notionally that they pay that to, to help with highway maintenance. Uh, so just as a, as a fairness piece, this is uh, ensuring that all Albertans uh, pay their fair share. And the $200 level, um, we, we achieved that just by equating what the average Albertan uh, would pay in fuel tax over the course of a year. The other tax a lot of people are upset about, the land transfer tax. We haven't had that before. One of the advantages that we try and sell to the rest of the country is cost of living, affordability when it comes to housing. This changes that equation. I mean, it doesn't completely turn it on its head, but it's an additional cost at a time when people are having a really hard time making ends meet, especially around housing. Why do this and why do this now, Minister? Well, my, my Minister for Service Alberta came to us and, and told us that the land titles offices are going to require a lot of investment. Uh, we've already put some of that in, but it'll require more in the coming years to modernize it. It's a fairly archaic, paper-driven process. Um, everyone's heard of the delays uh, on the timelines uh, since COVID. Um we, we had to invest a lot of money basically in people and FTEs to get caught up. Um, but the, the, the caseload is, uh, is more than we've seen in, in the past. We're trying to catch up to jurisdictions like BC that have already moved to a fairly digital process. So, you know, we're with a, with a tight budget. Uh, we're looking at, at, um, at what this will cost going forward, uh, to make this investment with the, at the at the new rates, it's only I think it equates to about one fifth of the Canadian average in this space, and is lower than the next closest province by about forty percent. Um, so, I I take any criticism on this, but I guess to to make it 
short shave. We felt it was necessary and defensible. And when you're trying to prioritize health care and education, but you know these have you have these other needs, uh, you have to look at everything. So uh, last one, and I appreciate you spending so much time with us this morning. I know uh, we're keeping a little longer here, and I, I've always wanted to say this to a finance minister who does this. Uh, I don't smoke anymore, but I did for a lot of years. Do, are we really going to do that again? I mean, is to me, that just seems so a lack of creativity and so obvious. And, and how many times can you go to that well with hitting smokers and, and increasing the tax on a pack of smokes? It just seems tired to me. Yeah, I I take your point, Shay. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not big on uh, you know nanny state taxes, but I, I think there's an argument to be made with you know staying somewhat in line with our comparator provinces. Um, we had decreased the smokeless tobacco rate in our first term to align it with Saskatchewan, and then right after we did that, they increased theirs. So we obviously have a, a plan around around health to um, yeah. We've decreased smoking and, and, and vaping as well, especially in the youth, uh, but also trying to keep some alignment with the provinces. Um, that's part of the part of the motive as well. Um, thank you so much for your time, Minister. I do appreciate you joining us. Thank you.